Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, it struck me that we've recorded over 80 episodes of the Armchair Trader podcast now, and we have not talked about the FTSE 100 index, which is one of the most widely used, widely followed, widely traded benchmark indexes, um, certainly in the UK, um, but also outside of the country. Um, And I remember back in my days when I was working for a broker, uh, the FTSE 100 spread bet was one of the big volume contracts that everyone loved to trade. And it's uh, remiss of us that we haven't actually discussed it. So um, today we've got Patrick Manelli, who's joining us. Um, He's a market strategist with Tickmill, and we're going to be kicking the tires on the FTSE 100 index. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Looking forward to uh, to discussing the uh, the much loved FTSE, and uh, certainly, yeah, it's a uh, definitely a spread betters favourite. So um, I'm going to kind of kick off really from pure 101 territory here. Um, the FTSE 100 index of stocks. Can you give us an idea of what it's composed of and and how it gets calculated? Okay, so essentially the FTSE 100 is an index of, as it says in its name, the 100 largest companies listed on the London Stock Exchange by market capitalization. So the index is used as a benchmark for the performance of the UK stock market in general. The companies included in the FTSE 100 are determined by their market capitalization, which is calculated by multiplying the current stock price by the number of shares outstanding. The index is weighted by market capitalization, so larger companies have a greater impact on the index than smaller ones. The calculation of the index is based on the uh, total return of the constituent stocks, So this includes both the price change of the shares and any dividends paid by the companies. This means that the index reflects the total return that an investor would receive if they invested in all of the constituent stocks in the same proportion as the index. FTSE 100 is essentially calculated by the FTSE Russell, a subsidiary of the London Stock Exchange Group. The index is updated every 15 seconds during trading hours, and the composition of the index is reviewed every quarter to ensure that it remains representative of the UK stock market. So effectively, what it's trying to set out to do is provide the investor, if if one was actually able to do it, um, with the same dynamics you would get if you actually owned every single stock. On, on in that index, basically. Uh, exactly on that, uh, uh, crucially on the weighted basis. Yeah, and and in terms of the actual sectors in the FTSE 100, um, what's what are the what are the main sectors covered there, and 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 does it have any bias towards a a particular market sector? Sure. So so at a headline level, it covers financials, energy, mining, healthcare. Um, consumer goods, technology, and industrials. But to be honest with you, the the weighting really sits towards, uh, firstly, the financials, so uh, including banks, insurance companies, and other large financial institutions. Um, Some of the largest companies in that sector would include the likes of HSBC, uh, Lloyds Banking Group, um, NatWest, Prudential, and uh, and those type of names. 
then coming in at a close second, I guess, would be the energy sector. Um, so really focusing on companies involved in the production, refining and distribution of oil and gas. Um, some of the, the larger names there would be BP, Shell and, uh, and the National Grid. And then coming in behind the energy sector or the energy group, I would say um, probably the mining sector would be the next one to, to focus on. So businesses involved in the extraction and production of metals and minerals. And some of the larger names there are the, are the likes of BHB, uh, Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, uh, Antifagasta, for example. And then behind that, I would say the, the, the last significant weighting would be in the healthcare sector with the likes of businesses that are manufacturing and distributing pharmaceuticals and medical devices. So your AstraZeneca's and, uh, and GlaxoSmithKline's would be the focus. So you're really talking about some very large, big brand, heavyweight companies with a, with a lot of international operations there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, how has how has the FTSE 100 performed historically? Because it's it's not just been a straight growth path. I mean, I remember in the 90s when I was working as a, first working as a journalist over at the FT Group, it did seem like every year it was going to close up and then it was going to go on forever. But that hasn't really been the case, has it? No, I mean the. Um... You know, as as many of these global indexes, the performance is mixed. But as an investor, what you're hoping is that uh, your equity curve goes from the lower left to the upper right over time. And so the performance of the the FTSE, as you say, has varied, uh, has been subject to the fluctuations due to uh, changes in the global economy, uh, political events and, and other factors. But over the long term, uh, the FTSE has generally delivered pretty solid returns to investors. I mean, we think about when it started out in 1984 up until, uh, let's say, last year, 2022, and bearing in mind what what's happened financially and politically during that period, it's actually averaged around 7.5%, annual return, um, according to uh, the FTSE Russell. And over this period, you know, there have been some years where the index has delivered fantastic returns. Uh, think of the late 80s, 89, when it uh, when it had a 31% gain. However, it matched that 31% gain with a 31% decline during the 08 financial crisis. However, I would say that in recent years, it's obviously faced some challenges due to uncertainty surrounding Brexit. And then we've all lived through that dreadful pandemic. Um, but as of April last year, 2023, I think the FTSE 100 um, is on course at the moment to deliver about a 3.3% gain year to date, uh, according to our friends at Bloomberg. So, it's, so I guess in, 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 in real terms, it, the, the performance of the FTSE is, is obviously affected by its composition as well, which is unique, um, and its weighted market capitalization. So this means that changes in the performance of, uh, of some of the larger individual names can actually have a significant impact on the overall performance of the index. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's certainly something you see on the daily market comments. Sometimes it's possible for um, some kind of sentiment affecting one particular area of the market. Let's say it's, it's the oil producers or it's the banks. I mean, the banks in the headlines at the moment. 
enough selling goes on in just that component and that can actually have an impact on the index as well. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. And even if, I mean, I mean, obviously I, I um, produced some commentary for, for you guys and uh, noteworthy just the other day, we had uh, Pearson, who are uh, an education content provider, uh, down well over double digits on the day. And the actual FTSE on the day pretty much flatlined because on the upside, you had some of those mining names and some of those banks. And so because of that weighting element, you don't experience the, you know, the type of declines you would anticipate when you read a headline number of, a, uh, you know, a constituent company being down 15% on the day. And when we're comparing the FTSE against uh, other indexes, I mean, what are the benefits of trading the FTSE um, versus, say, other um, big indexes. I'm thinking, of course, of the S&P 500, which is is, is uh, another widely followed benchmark, widely traded here in the UK and internationally. I mean, how does it how does it measure up against that? Sure. So I guess uh, in terms of the the S&P 500 um, and the FTSE, first of all, as as always, as as investors, you've got to predefine your your goals and your risk tolerance, which is incredibly important before you set out investing in any index. Um, but some of the potential um, benefits, I guess, in terms of the FTSE over an index like the S&P 500, would I say, uh, first of all, be geographical diversification. So the FTSE is composed of companies listed in the UK, which can provide geographical diver diversification for investors who are already heavily invested in US markets. So by investing in the, the FTSE, for example, investors can get exposure to companies that may be less correlated to those US investments or US market movements. Um, one of the, the very attractive factors um, historically for the FTSE has been higher dividend yields. So the FTSE has had higher dividend yields than the S&P 500, uh, which makes it an attractive choice for investors seeking income from their investments. Um, however, it's important to note that uh, dividend yields can fluctuate over time and are not guaranteed. I think we had HSBC come out just the other day and issue their first quarterly dividend um, since 2019. So although dividends are a factor uh, they, in terms of developing an income stream from your investments, they are not always guaranteed. And that's important to, to consider. Um, and then, of course, there is that exposure to uh, the specific sectors we talked about um, previously, such as the financials, energy and mining, uh, that the S&P 500 doesn't really give you the same exposure to. Uh, so this can provide investors with an exposure to these sectors and the opportunity to benefit from their performance. Um, the other factor I would consider is lower valuations. Uh, the FTSE has historically traded at a lower valuation than the S&P 500, which can make it attractive uh, for value-oriented investors seeking to invest in businesses that may be undervalued by the market. However, obviously, it's important to note that investing in the FTSE also comes with its own risks, including currency risk, political risk, and specifically because of that mining and energy composition, uh, the FTSE is at the throes of commodity prices which can affect the uh, the performance of some of those heavy hitters in the index. 
So um, investors should carefully consider these risks before making these investment decisions. Additionally, investing in the S&P 500 may offer different benefits, such as exposure to a, a broader range of sectors and companies and potentially greater liquidity. But ultimately, the decision to invest in either index should be based on individual investment goals. And like I say, risk tolerance is very important. And one of the one of the widely shared and incredibly common misconceptions um, is that the FTSE 100 is somehow an indicator of the uh, underlying performance of the UK economy and the UK business environment. Um, why is that not so? Why is it not a good benchmark of, uh, you know, or a good tool for taking a view on the UK economy? Yeah, I mean, this is a, um, this is, I guess, amongst the, the, the uninitiated or the, or the inexperienced inv investor, um, this is actually quite a common misconception because the, the FTSE is perceived to be uh, as a barometer uh, for the UK economy. But it's important that the FTSE is actually the barometer for the UK stock market and sentiment really orientated towards those companies within the index. And it's not necessarily a good way to replicate the performance of the broader economy as a whole. Uh, a couple of the factors that we've already touched on, uh, composition. So the FTSE 100 is composed, like I say, of the 100 largest companies on the London Stock Exchange by market cap. Uh, so this means it's heavily weighted towards certain sectors such as financials, energy and mining. And so this may not necessarily accurately represent the wider economy. And then, of course, there's that international exposure element. Many of the companies listed on the FTSE have significant international operations and they actually earn a large proportion of their revenue and profits from overseas activities. So this means that their performance may be influenced more by global economic conditions than the actual domestic economy in the UK. Obviously, there is the notion that there is a certain limited scope to the FTSE, as it only covers really a small fraction of the companies listed on the London Stock Exchange and does not include many of the smaller companies that may be more representative of uh, more wider economy and even more local domestic economies. Therefore, while the FTSE can uh, provide some insight into investor sentiment towards UK companies, it should not be seen as a, as a measure as such or a yardstick of the performance of the UK economy as a whole. Other indicators such as obviously GDP, employment and consumer spending may provide really a more comprehensive picture of the, the pulse of the UK economy. And you've mentioned already um, that the index gets rebalanced uh, every quarter, um, which, which uh, means uh, some companies leave and, and new companies entered. It's a little bit like um, uh, the Premiership Football League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who's up, who's down? Um, can, can, you, can you give us some uh, insight into how that rebalancing happens? And does that represent a a uh, possible short-term trading opportunity. Sure. So let's first of all deal with the rebalancing. Um, the FTSE 100 is rebalanced periodically to ensure essentially that it accurately reflects the, uh, the performance of the largest and most actively traded companies 
listed on the London Stock Exchange. It's actually rebalanced on a quarterly basis. So we have a rebalancing in March, June, September and December. Um, the rebalancing process involves uh, adjusting the weighting of each company in the index to reflect uh, changes in their market capitalization which is the total value of the company's outstanding shares. This means that companies that have increased in value since the last rebalancing will actually have a higher weighting in the index, while companies that have decreased in value um, will have a lower weighting. So the rebalancing process is actually carried out by the FTSE Russell, the global index provider that oversees the, the FTSE 100, and they use a set of rules to determine which companies should be included in the index and how they should be weighted. Uh, the rules include a minimum market capitalization requirement, which means that only companies with a market capitalization above a certain threshold are eligible for inclusion in the index. Companies that fall below this threshold uh, may be removed from the index. The rebalancing process can have an impact on the performance of individual stocks and the index as a whole, as changes in weighting can affect investor sentiment towards certain companies. However, the impact is usually short-term and the index tends to return to its long-term trend over time. One potential, I guess, tactical trading strategy as such is to take advantage of price movements that occur when companies are added or removed from the index. So, for example, if a company is added to the FTSE 100, it will likely see an increased demand for its shares as index tracking funds and other investors adjust their portfolios to reflect the new weighting. So this essentially can uh, create a short-term price spike that traders may be able to profit from by exposing or buying shares in uh, the company before the rebalancing takes place. Similarly, I guess if a company is removed from the FTSE 100, the opposite is also true. It may experience a short-term price drop as index tracking funds and portfolio managers sell their shares. Uh, traders may be able to profit from this by short selling the stock before the rebalancing is complete. However, it is really important to note that these price movements uh, are notoriously difficult to predict and can be influenced by a variety of factors. And I guess additionally, there are risks involved in attempting to profit from short-term price movements, including the transaction costs and the potential for losses if the trade doesn't go as planned. Now, that's a very good point. Um, just and just sort of idly, I mean, you mentioned ETFs there and the fact that you know they represent more and more of um, um, a share of the market because these guys are obviously passively trying to track the index and they will be buying buying or selling those shares according to the changes in the index. Um, do you think that they're becoming more influential and having more of an impact on prices than, say, 10, 15 years ago? I think increasingly, um, and specifically with the development of advanced uh, systematic trading strategies, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of or a, a decent amount of these uh portfolio managers who employ that type of approach to managing large portfolios, there is certainly an edge there. Um, but whether or not they actually influence uh, influence the market as such, specifically the FTSE, I think, because of this idea of the weighting, because, uh, you know, the FTSE is, is prone to um, 
to fluctuation based around commodity prices, which is an unusual um, constituent to have as a as a driver for an index. I think it's very difficult for a portfolio manager essentially to design a model that is not only going to track the performance of the a company, but then cross-reference that in instantly with the performance of an associated commodity. I think that we're uh, we're a step away from that. Who knows? With artificial intelligence, maybe that's <laughs> closer than I think. But um, the 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 sense that that's uh, that that's genuinely happening at the moment, I'm not too sure. And uh, finally, uh, we haven't mentioned uh, the currency markets, um, which which seem to affect everything these days, but in particular can also affect the constituents of the FTSE. Um, can, you, can you give us uh, a little bit more insight into how, how that works and what investors should be aware of there? Sure. So, uh, so I cut my teeth in trading in the currency markets, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty well versed in, in uh, how impactful those, uh, those markets can be across the global financial system. Uh, particularly with the FTSE as well. I mean, the sterling can have uh, an impact on the performance of the FTSE as as many of the companies listed on the index actually have, uh, like I said before, international operations are where the majority of their revenues come from. And so they're obviously in foreign currencies. So when sterling appreciates against these currencies, it uh, it can reduce the value of these companies' revenue and profits when translated back into pounds. So conversely, when we have a, a peak in sterling, or, or sorry, when sterling depreciates, it can increase the value of foreign currency earnings. So it is really an important factor. For, for example, if sterling appreciates against the dollar, it can, uh, it can reduce the value of uh, the revenue and profits earned by a UK business that has operations in the US. And this can make the company's stock less attractive to investors, which can in turn cause the share price to fall, potentially dragging down the performance of the FTSE if it's uh, if it's a business in one of these major sectors that we talked about earlier. Um, if sterling depreciates against the US dollar, it can increase the value of the revenue and profits earned by the UK business uh, that does business in the US. So this obviously can make the company's stock more attractive to investors, which can cause the share price to rise, potentially boosting uh, performance of the index as a whole. However, it's really worth noting that the relationship between sterling and the FTSE is not always straightforward, as there are many factors that can impact the performance of the index, such as global economic conditions, company earnings, and geopolitical events. And oftentimes, some of the the shine that a, a stock can experience from uh, currency markdowns or currency markups can uh, can dissipate pretty quickly, and so you can be left holding holding the basket, so to speak, if you're not uh, if you're not following these currencies on a I would essentially say a daily basis. So quite hard to anticipate, basically, um, if you're uh, unless you're a very active trader. Unless you're very active, yes. Well, thank you very much indeed for for the insights on the FTSE 100, Patrick. That's that's much appreciated. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, would be happy to follow up with any questions or comments in uh, in a future episode. And uh, if you're a listener um, to the podcast and uh, you want us to dissect another major stock market index with Patrick, then just drop us a line and we'd be happy to do so. Certainly the S&P 500 springs to mind immediately. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a market that I'm active in on a daily basis. <laughs>
Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today, Patrick. Thanks for your time, Stuart. Cheers. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.